hello everyone and welcome back or welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. Um, this week we're revisiting an old friend in Andy, all the way from episode 5 or 4, somewhere along those lines, when we did They Live Together, um, back when we didn't have Matthew to rely on as our as our crutch. Um, but we do now, which is nice. Uh, it's a lovely episode, we're covering Terrifier with Art the Clown. Um, please try and follow me on the social medias, uh, especially the Facebook group, just to get involved in the chat about the movies. It would be be nice to do that. Anywho, enough of my witterings on. Now it's time for the episode. And uh, don't forget, he's, he's a clown, not a mime. Because mimes don't use props. Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast. Oh, it's a weekly horror movie podcast, no less. And he- and I'm called Mark, if you didn't know that. That's a bit weird, a very formal of me. And joining me as always is Matthew. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Mark. Oh, hello. That was- and listeners. <laughs> you throw me off there because normally you don't say hello, you normally say something that's not hello. Now, and now I'm confused. No, you introduced yourself as Mark and I, uh, yeah, I- I had to just roll with the punches. I'm very confused. Right. So as you know, sometimes we have a guest, sometimes we don't. Uh, this week we do have a guest and we have a guest all the way from episode five. Well, it's numbered episode five. Technically it was episode four, but we're calling it episode five. And we've got Andy who spoke to us about They Live. Hello, Andy. Hi, everyone. And it's uh, great to be back. Hi, Matthew. It's first time meeting you. Yes. Um, yeah. Looking forward to uh, getting into this. Um, and uh, discuss a little bit more about horror, which is great. So thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. I'm I'm glad to have you back, and I'm glad this time we're going to be talking about um, an actual horror film. Well, I, I am I'm a bit sad. I did miss the <laughs> They Live discussion because I love that film. So, oh well, one day one day we'll do like um, you know reruns or whatever, and we'll start talking. Just get about everyone into repeat the episodes before yeah, I was on. Yeah, so. sounds good. <laughs> You could decide whether I made a bad choice or. We'll just edit me in. I just sit here recording bits by myself and force it into them. I could do that. I've got all the files. Anyway, uh, so as always, well, not as always, but um, as is recent development, we're going to start with a would you rather. I totally forgot what they're called then. So, and uh, Matthew's got one prepared because, as you don't know this, listeners, but. I'm supposed to do it, and I never do. Uh, one of us is supposed to do it. Yeah, true. Yeah, but I think it was definitely my turn. We, we make it work somehow. Yeah. Anyway, go. Go back. So, right. Would you rather have an angry clown somewhere around your town who's getting violent, not necessarily coming for you, or a friendly clown, but he lives in your house and he's always in makeup? <laughs> um, well, it's quite a question, isn't it? Um, a friendly one living in your house who's always constantly in makeup be quite um, 
humorous in some ways, wasn't it? Uh, but quite annoying and quite scary at times too. Um, but then I, I like a good clown. I like a good clown. And it probably takes us on to the episode that we're going to be doing. So I think the clown, a, a kind of an evil, malevolent clown lurking around in the streets of Middlesbrough would be great. Um, <laughs> great for a good story. And I think it'd be good for... I don't know, going out to try and find the clown, the said clown, taking pictures of said clown. Um, going hunting. Yeah, that's what I mean. A bit of not not ghost hunting, it'd be clown clown hunting in Middlesbrough. I mean, uh, there's a tale, there's 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 a book there, isn't there? There's a movie that there's a movie in that clown hunting in Middlesbrough. There is, yes. Yeah. You've you've got the title, <laughs> you've got the title, you've got the premise, away we go. <laughs> well, that's how that's how all uh, all best horror movies start, isn't it? You know. Just a quick little chat in there. Oh, that'll do. That'll, yeah. How much money have we got? Let's go and make it. I don't yeah. think we've ever had a man of action on the pod before. I think we've, <laughs> I think we've all been about self-preservation in the past. Yeah, he's away. He's off to find the killer clowns. Um, can I ask a question about the clown who lives with me? Are they something of a silent clown or can are they just like called Dave and I can no, talk it's, to them? Yeah, it's just a, it's just a clown, you know? He, he might not always be on, might be off, but... Always in the makeup. That's the main thing. Because I'm going for that just for the just for the security aspect of it. Okay, the angry clown might not be after me, but he might be after other people. Yeah, I suppose it's more heroic to cancel out the murderous clown. And and I don't really have any I don't really have any problems with clowns. So yeah, I, I won't really be that bothered living uh, living around just a clown. A mischievous clown living in your house. Well, we didn't mention mischievous, did we? I mean, but a clown in full makeup living in your house is, I don't know. I mean, questions where how long does this clown live with you forever, the rest of your life? No, that'd get, it's, that, that obviously gets quite annoying at some point, wouldn't it? You know, literally washing the pots, going for the toilet, doing your business, doing. No, I mean, it's just in the house, you don't, you know. Yeah, could, no. could you be up in his bedroom playing no clown based video games? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, could be entertaining for the little one, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 probably a big factor in it is how big is your house? You know, that's mm-hmm, I've only true. got a little house. We'd be stepping on each other's toes. I mean, me more than him, he's got the big shoes, but <laughs> you know, we'd be getting in each other's way plenty. Uh, I think oh, I don't know. No, I'm not living with a clown. No, I'm not having it. So I, I, I'm, I'm still going with an angry clown. I'm going yeah. to take the murderous clown as well because I don't. Yeah. I'm no good with the people I do live with. So no, that's true. I don't want to add an extra person in the mix. And you know, uh, if I get got, I get got. Ain't going to bother me. I also, <laughs> I, I also live in quite a small town, so the chances of you know actually running into the clown, you know, they're, they're a bit higher than they would be if you lived in you know big uh, city or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, all those, all those clowns in Westminster. Am I right? Ah, uh, hey. political. No, now we're getting into politics. Now oh, we're Horace. Hey. Oh, lovely. So, uh, yeah, lovely. So that was the. Uh, what do you? What, rather, we had a bit of banter, sort of in the middle, but at the end, a bit of pot, po- political. I don't know. I don't know why I said it like that. It's a bit weird. So, Andy's going to answer some of the questions that he didn't get round to answering. Well, not they didn't get around to answering. If you've been listening from the beginning, I started with a handful of questions and then I increased the questions. But those people that were on early, 
didn't answer these questions. Well, that's a long way around of saying something, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so, are you ready to go, Andy? Are you ready to fill us in a bit more of your horror something? I, I will. And to be fair, if we're going back to the series where I, I was on in the early days and we didn't answer these questions, it will roll pretty well, Mark, because they'll probably all got the same theme, to be fair. So, yes. Expect the exorcist a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the scariest horror movie? <sighs> I, I have put a lot of thought into this, Mark. It, you know, you talk about horror in, in a lot of ways, isn't it? I always go towards psychological thrillers and horrors. Something that makes you think a little bit more. Um, mm. I don't know. What, what am I thinking there? Hereditary, Amateurville horror in some ways, suspense, The Exorcist, obviously. Um, and of the, what, the last 20, 30 years, I really enjoyed The Ring. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when, when The Ring came out, I watched it by myself in the dark. Uh, I was only about 21, 22, I think, when it came out, and I watched it. Didn't know much about it. I loved it. Absolutely. Just, I, I really just got into every element of it. And then when they were dissecting the whole thing at the end, it was just, I thought it was just perfect at the time. And it's obviously dated in the age quite, quite, quite a lot in, in those, in those, what, 20, 25 years. But I think it's been a fantastic film. But scariest film, I still have to go. The Exorcist, Mark. I, I do. I, I mean, I still, I'm still like that kid who, and and if we talk about horrors and what's scary, the only horror that's really scared me outside of um, The Exorcist is the Amityville horror because of the time. And again, that's a good psychological thriller, really. There's not a lot you see um, within Amityville horror, the original. It's all obviously the possession. But The Exorcist is just, it's just a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. And Everything that goes around it, um, you know, when it was produced, when it was marketed, everything, it was just spot on, absolutely perfect. And obviously in the, in, in the 80s, when it was banned, made it more notorious. And with, with me kind of picking up horror in the 80s, it always pricked my uh, conscious nerve to, to kind of, I want to watch it, I need to watch it. So it made it even more, like, scary. Um, and it... I didn't watch it in the 80s because obviously it, it was pretty hard to get hold of on VHS. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching, going around the friend's house when I was 10 or 11 and um, his brother was 14, 15 year old and they'd all had a few drinks and they put Exist on TV, on the VHS. But it was it was that grainy. You just couldn't, well, it was a lot of teenagers. But I think a few years later, I, got, I managed to get hold of a copy and I just absolutely loved it. I mean, from that age, I think I was 15, 16, the very first time watching it. I've been in love ever since with it. It's just a film that I can watch over and over again. Um, I wouldn't say I see something new every single time, but every single time you watch it, you just have such an appreciation for the acting, the direction of it, uh, the effects that they went to, the, the lengths and depths that they went to. And yes, there is some good, jolty, um horror sequences in there. So I think for me... A perfect horror movie and the scariest horror movie for me starts to be The Exorcist. Well, and I'm sure there's some disagreement, but um, yeah. Well, you, no one can say that you didn't state your case well, though. <laughs> <laughs> you put that, uh, yeah, I, I can't really disagree with, with anything you said. 
Yeah. I've said before, and I said to you, I think the last time is that um, The Exorcist, it, it, it is great and it is scary, but carries weight because of its reputation. And you and I are, are from the sort of era where it was banned. And we did hear stories about The Exorcist before you could even get a chance to see it. Um, so it carried weight that when you finally got round to seeing it, you were you were shitting yourself before you got into it. Um, yeah. And the fact that it the fact that it it is in fact scary. You know, you start you start on the edge of your seat, and you know, I suppose, given that metaphor, you end up on the floor. Yes, uh, and not only is it that synonymous part of it and, and kind of the cult with it, but then it was banned within being banned, wasn't it? Because the film itself was banned and it came out. But then there was a crab scene going down the stairs. That was banned and that came back out. You know, it was mm. released on it. Yeah. But then I also look at um, people like, who I respect quite well in the film industry, Mark Hermod. He just loves it to pieces and the amount of specials that he's done on it and the amount of DVDs, extras that I've got on Mark Hermod literally dissects the whole thing. Literally uh, wrote in, a book on it as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, he's interviewed all the main characters. Just, It's just one of those things that I am one of those people where if I get into something, enjoy it, I really throw myself into it. Mm. Uh, and The Exorcist is one of those that where it's just, it's a cult for me and it's, it's my favourite of all. So from a scary moment um, and from a movie point of view, Exist all day long. A close second, I have to say, and I did say this in the original time when we discussed it, was uh, the Amityville Horror original. Um, again, I watched that very young, uh, and I just loved it. I, I thought it was the, the, the house with a face and, you know, the, 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 mm. the things that went around in the house and the possession. Uh, I just thought it was... And it was really good acting, too, in the Amityville Horror. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't carry as much nostalgia as you do for Amityville because I think I watched it not recently, but within that last sort of five or six years, based on your and your recommendation. And you know, unfortunately, I think sometimes if you don't see something early doors, it don't ca- it don't catch you. Um, although, although the guy who played the guy who played the mayor in Jaws is in that, and he's also denying everything that's going on in that too. That's fun. <laughs> no, there's no ghosts here. You said that about that shark. There's no shark either. Uh, anyway, so, well, let's move on. Move onwards and upwards or backwards and forward. Well, I don't fucking know. Uh, the best kill. What is the best kill? I've got quite a few here. I'm going to name one. I'll name the number one that I think is the best. Uh, but I have to give some honourable nods to two. And that is the head in Hereditary. I just thought it was... It, it, it caught me... It, it, that was a film that you kind of recommended, Mark. I watched it and knew nothing of it. I never watched a trailer. I don't even believe I read the synopsis, so I don't even know what it was about. And it's just that idyllic kind of like, you know, as we all did with kids, we'd swing our head out the window, have a look, and bang, gone. I was like, whoa, what's happened there? It, that that literally took me by massive surprise. Uh, so an honourable nod to that. Another good nod. It's always stuck with me. Is Ghost Ship at the beginning? I just thought it was fantastic. A great introduction to a horror film. Um, it's come up a few times. Is that one, hasn't it? That's a classic <laughs> opener. That one. 
such a simple, but it was a great introduction. Within what I haven't watched it for a long time, so I'm thinking, what was it in the first minute or something of the film? I think it must yeah, have been something it, like that. It's almost uh, straight away, yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. So good, two honourable nods there, but I, I still think my first and my best kill has got to be uh, Tina from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on the ceiling. Yeah. It's um, yeah. It's it, I, I grew up on Freddy. I grew up on Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween in the eighties, and Freddy was always my favourite. Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think the original Nightmare on Elm Street, I just thought was a really, really great film. Uh, a great introduction to a, a brand new character in the horror franchise, um, a horror genre. And Tina's death was just yeah, it was, it was different. It was brilliant. Uh, they, they kind of went out all out with it. I don't know, really, they, on the ceiling, dragged all over, blood sweating all over. Yeah, it's just a great kill. Yeah, I can't argue with you on that one. They had the, you know, well, we discussed it recently in the September sleepover, of course, we were we did the first three there. Um, yeah. And that's the most, certainly the most affecting in, in, in that movie. Um, and that, that's the one in that movie where you, it gives you this uh yeah, that that's the sense that you get that you're not safe you're not safe in your dreams with freddie in that one because uh, you probably did listen to the episode so because we did sort of uh, eventually it just become a bit uh we're a bit unsure about what his actual power set was um but that first one that's the one that sort of sticks in your mind and uh yeah no that's uh, it's a really good choice um do you have anything more to say about that one, uh, Matthew, before I circle back to Hereditary? No, I think uh, all three are all uh, what we would put in that correct answer bracket. Yes, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All all affecting in, in very different ways and all interesting and well-executed as well and, and unusual in yeah. their own ways. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that hereditary one hasn't come up more here. I mean, obviously we haven't done loads of episodes and we've had loads of guests, but um, because that one really does come out of nowhere. That like if you if you didn't know that going in, and I, and I didn't know anything about that movie going in, was I think most of us did, um, because you, you know you're set up to believe that she's the main character anyway. And I didn't realise until I, I would have sworn I would have put money on recently. Um, I saw, I watched it again, and I didn't realise that they cut back to the head later, like very briefly. Yeah, um, it's, it's real grim. Yeah, I I would have sworn that that didn't happen. I would have sworn, you know, if you if they, if it come up on a trivia, I'd have said no, no way. Um, but yeah, no, it's pretty uh pretty awful that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, standout effects. Uh, I'm going to let you down here. I really am. You're going to say the Exorcist, you know. aren't you? <laughs> I am. I'm going to say the Exorcist, yeah. And and we're not talking about CGI. We're not talking about kind of... It's kind of any effects. And I just think, as I went to my case about the, the, the scariest and what, for me, the best horror movie in, in The Exorcist, um, the lengths they went to to try and get those effects. Um, you've just got to appreciate the lengths they went to. Um, so there is that. But, and again, and, and, and annoyingly, um, I don't know if this is, is, I'm guilty of not 
looking into this question more than what I really should have done and give myself some justice in this. But I go back to Tina too, because I think the Tina, the effect for the 80s of Tina uh, seemingly on a, obviously, um, on a ceiling, being splattered all over the place and, you know, ran ragged. And I think that was a really great effect too for horror movies and horror franchise. Um, so Tina's kind of come up quite a few times here on Nightmare on Elm Street and Exorcist has too. So like I said, there was going to be a recurring theme here within my answers. But the, the Exorcist for me, standout effects. I mean, I'm sure it was nominated as a, a Oscar nomination for the effects too or the makeup or something. But yeah, it's The Exorcist. Yeah. The standout effects. I chose The Exorcist for mine. I think I did anyway. Because um, like you say, the lengths that they went to 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 do that um, was amazing. And I, and, I, and I said to Matthew, I, I haven't got all the information written down now, but the the, the man who played the old priest, what was his name? Uh, Max von Sydow. Yeah. yeah, Max von. He's only about 40-odd in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was really impressed how old they managed to make him look. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm just going to, I've got the, the uh, Oscars that it was nominated for up in front of me, and incredibly, makeup and, and effects weren't on it. I don't know if there weren't categories then or not, but... Yeah, it was nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Oscars, and that wasn't one of them. So they, they dropped the ball on that front. I'm not it didn't sure. win any of them. It didn't win any of any did it? It won best adapted screenplay and best sound mixing. Best sound, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I think we we mentioned it fairly recently. That the Oscars just don't care about horror because no, the I don't know. I don't really don't know why because. I think the makeup Oscar was put together for American Werewolf in London. Okay, so yeah, that that would explain why it didn't then. Yeah, I think I think that that it because that I'm sure that won the Oscar for best makeup, I think but it was... hadn't. It hadn't. I was trying to remember if it was that or the fly, but I think it was. I think it was American Werewolf in London won best effects um, and makeup and yeah. There was so. something uh, in, about Planet of the Apes. I'm not sure if it was makeup or Oscars, uh, but it came out in the same year as 2001. And obviously, both uh, both films feature humans in ape suits. And Planet of the Apes won best uh, best costume design. I've seen so uh, slightly different. But yeah, Planet of the Apes won the Oscar for Best Costume Design. Uh, and 2001 didn't get a nomination because they thought they just trained apes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So Because 2001 was so good, it didn't get nominated. Wow, well, that's mental. Um, hmm. I'm just trying to find this special effects thing. No, that can't be right. I think with uh, with the Exorcist, especially the I think the effect that stands out from the film to me is just how cold it feels all the time. It's like I don't know how you would. I, I okay, turn the room into a big fridge. It's probably doable on a budget, but how well, they managed that's it a, is that's essentially what they did, didn't they? Yeah, they turned the whole set into a fridge. Um, and you know you've got a twelve-year-old girl who's supposed to be having ninety in bed in a fridge. Um, 
she was wrapped up in blankets between every cut. Um, well, yeah, how, how she... you do it without causing serious illness or injuries <laughs> Exactly, the real... Uh, and, yeah, and, yeah, and you've got to think about um, how she didn't suffer more psychological you know, drama within their life, um, being cast as a 12-year-old, being possessed like that, and, and all the ordeal that she went through within the film and of it, but also then to try, you know, literally being in a nighty in, in a refrigerator, uh, hours and end and, and, and all the stuff around it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal movie um, in every sense, I, I think. I'd, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, you're right. Uh, anyway, yeah, best makeup. The actual official Oscar was American Wealth in London. That was the first one in 1981. And interestingly, um, the Fly won it in 1986, but Harry and the Hendersons won it in 1987. <laughs> I didn't know Harry and the Hendersons was an Oscar-winning movie. I didn't even know no. it was that old. I could have sworn it was yeah. a 90s film. That's what it says, 1987. Mm-hmm. You definitely just in, definitely just enlightened me there, Matt, with the Endersons. I mean, the Endersons I watched as a kid, but uh, for it to be Oscar nominated or even winning an Oscar is just beyond me, to be fair. But there we go. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> Oscar winning. Right, so the last question before we get into the movie is, a movie that needs a sequel and movies that need to stop making sequels? Or both? Right, okay. Um what I looked at with this really was um, uh, I'd love to see some, some, like somebody take on Nightmare on Elm Street with a really good budget, like a budget of like uh, Stephen King's It. Um, you've, got, you've got an actual fantastic character in Freddy Krueger. Um, the remake was absolute, and I'm, I'm saying it from my own opinion, I thought it was abysmal. Um, so... I'm not going to go down that route, though. What I am going to say is I'd love to see... I love a good zombie movie. So I would love to see another remake of Dawn of the Dead. I'm not saying the 2004 edition wasn't good because I enjoyed it. I thoroughly did enjoy it. I, I, I can't see where you can't go wrong, really, with a good zombie movie. I, like, I love a good zombie movie. But I'd love to see another Dawn of the Dead. A good budget. Um, it's just easy to watch, isn't it? I really watch, really enjoy watching a good zombie movie. Uh, so I'd like I'd like to see another zombie movie, another Dawn of the Dead, um, and films or franchises within horror that I, I think has went on too far. It, I, I, it's went on that far. I don't even know if it has stopped. But Saw, I mean Saw, I watched the very first one. I watched the second one, and after the second one, I just thought I can't remember. I, I probably did watch a few after that, but it was just out of curiosity or boredom. I didn't do it because I really wanted to watch it. I'm not a fan of total gore. Um, so, so uh, yeah, they can stop it. If they have stopped it, great. If they haven't, stop. Or they, they so. sort of tried to get it going again, I think, I think it was last year, with Spiral, which is sort of a, a spin-off yeah. kind of film. And I, I didn't I didn't really care for it. I'm but, pretty sure there's another one on the way. I'm pretty sure I read that Tobin Bell's been... Uh cast again which god knows how god knows why but they shouldn't have killed him off in the first place if they wanted to keep bringing him back they shouldn't have killed him off in the first place but i totally agree with you saw saw's one of my well from the beginning i i, I haven't in, enjoyed i well it's probably the most popular answer for this question isn't it i'd say yeah yeah because it's 
it got out. I think it got out of that zone of being clever movie to just being torture porn, um, yeah. as as the as the as that particular term was coined. Um, but um, Dawn of the Dawn of the Dead, I'd like. I, I would happily see a sequel to the remake. Um, I, I I quite enjoy, I quite enjoyed the remake to it, and if I remember rightly, did it leave it open or was it? Just a downbeat ending. I can't remember. It's it well either or. I, I haven't watched it for a long time. I don't know if you can chip in a bit, Matthew. But I, I mean, zombie movies you can always continue a zombie movie in some way, can you? You know, uh, zombies, the, the, the undead that can rise. So I don't know. Uh, let's 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 just pretend it's open ended and zombie movie and come back. But yeah, um, a remake of Dawn of the Dead two thousand four would be great. I, I personally believe so. Going back to Saw. I think it's an, an, an atrocious gore porn, really, of horror. Uh, but the first one was um, groundbreaking for horror. I, I thought it was great. Uh, and it was what the horror franchise at the time, horror genre, needed at the time. Um, and then it just took on the total gore porn. It just wasn't for me. There'll, there'll, there'll be fans out there, I'm sure, but not for me. Well, uh, I think I think it might, have, it might be today or... Very recently, anyway, like last couple of days, it's 18 years since the first one came out. And uh, Lee Winnell tweeted basically saying, I don't really consider any of the others part of the, <laughs> the, the thing. It's the, to him, it's just saw one and that's it. Yeah, good. So, yeah, I think he's with us on this one. Lovely. Right. So that was the first slice of bread. Andy's answered his questions. I think I've cleared them all up. So we're going to enter the filling. Um, I don't think I really asked you, but I, what you were actually having a sandwich last time, Andy. So what would you like in your horror sandwich? Well, or your actual sandwich? Uh, as in a real life would, sandwich? Oh, I would. Oh, uh, God, that's a, that's, that's taken me by surprise, Mark. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go really boring here. Some kind of Italian parma ham. Uh, and some nice cheese. That's it. That'll do me. Bit of uh, mustard and meal. Yeah. I feel like you can tell a ham and cheese from a from a distance, and I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> so that's a good thing, I watch, Mark. But there we go. It yeah. doesn't matter to well, me. To be, it doesn't uh, matter like, to me what you choose. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty open book, aren't I? I mean, all my horror, um, you know, history, knowledge, uh, and, and fandom really is of the 80s, and uh, and it exists apart from that. Um, and that's where my horror lives and where my horror love is. So um, I'm pretty pretty basic. So, yeah, I'm sure ham and cheese was pretty predictable, to be fair. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so, OK, let's get into the filling. Now, I do, I would like to put a little disclaimer before this one, because I think this is the first movie that we've covered on here that is of a particular level of violence. And we will be talking about um, certain scenes in this that are rather violent. Now, I realise it's a horror podcast, but not everybody likes gore and not everybody likes over-the-top violence. So um, I don't know if I'm right or not to, to, to do that, but I just want to say to you, if you don't know what this movie is, um, A, go watch it. And, but... If you don't want to hear about over-the-top gore, then this one's not for you. Um, 
So we're going to be talking about Terrifier from 2016. Now, why did I pick Terrifier? Because I chose this one. Two reasons. The first reason is that Andy wanted me to pick a film he hadn't seen, um, which I think was right. You hadn't seen this one, had you? Um, no, I've never seen it. And because Terrifier 2 was get, is getting such a, sort, a lot of press at the moment based around the fact that people have been throwing up in the movies and such like, um, I thought, why not go in on this one? Uh, let's start with Terrifier. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think the question raised from that then is, do we cover the sequel? So that's... <laughs> That's well, what we're going to find out as we go along, I think. I can tell you that I have seen Terrifier 2. Um, and I don't mind I don't mind dropping a little not review at the end, but I'll just um was it sizzle? Hmm. Sizzle spice. Well, we'll see what we'll see what review you two give this one because if it ends up being a shit, then uh, I think we'll leave it alone. Uh so Terrifier from 2016. Now this movie was written, directed, and I want to add in that all the effects were done by Damien Leone. Um, so he did all of this on a budget of $35,000, um, which is a very, very low budget considering what you get in terms it's of horror film. Pittance for a film, isn't it? That? Now, I do understand that a further £15,000 was put towards actual marketing. So you could say it was a budget of. 50,000, but I do would like to add that it was made for 35,000. Um, I couldn't find out what the actual box office for this movie was, but I know it did get picked up by Netflix, so I have to assume that uh, they made some money off it. Um, yeah, they, they, I find it hard to believe they didn't turn a profit on this. No, no. Um, what I do know is uh, Terrifier 2 is doing really well. I think it's currently at 5.2 million, something like that. Which off about a, they get to about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the yeah. budget for the second one. So that's right. Yeah, it's, it's still not a lot of yeah. money, is it, for a film? But no, no, they've done they've done they've done really well. So yeah, Plen- terif- plenty or profit. Terrifier Two's done really well, and I, it's built a bit of a reputation because, um, to be quite honest with you, I think one person was sick at the cinema, but of course, <laughs> um, you know, good publicity. It is good publicity. It is good publicity. Um, we'll, we'll go back to we we'll go back to the Exorcist and the cult of the Exorcist and, the, and all, all those queues and all those people running out the cinema. It's good. It's good publicity. Exactly. You know? It worked. It worked on me. I went. I watched Terrifier too, based on the fact mm-hmm. that I thought it was going to make me ill. But you know, I am. I get a day off work. I am. <laughs> oh, I've been off work for so long now. It's ridiculous. I'm hopefully going back on Friday. Um, hopefully. And although I'll have been back by the time this comes out, oh, it's pointless. Let me just go through a little bit of cast. Uh, there's only really a, sort of four people in this. So we've got uh, Jenna Cannell as Tara, Samantha Scafidi, I think, as Vicky, who is Tara's sister, I think, and uh, Catherine Cochran as Dawn, and David Howard Thornton as Art the Clown. Now, I do, I would like to dip into uh, David Howard Thornton just a little bit um, because I just thought that he was, he was interesting. Um, he's actually played the Joker in um, like a 
sort of YouTube thing called Nightwing, Nightwing Escalation. Um, so he played the Joker in that. So you could see, uh, you can see, you can see a lot of the Joker in art, I think, um, which was actually D- Damien Leone's sort of vague idea. He started thinking that Pennywise was the best clown he'd ever seen, which is fair enough. But he wanted to do something opposite to that, um, which is kind of what you get. Um, let's see. And the other thing I thought was interesting is that he learned his clowning um, from a man called Stefan Carl. And if anyone knows this, he was the man who played Robbie Rotten in Lazy Town, um, <laughs> which I thought was uh, generally quite interesting. So what else do I need to say about this? So, yeah, um, as I said, this is a highly violent movie. And what do we, what we start with is, um, I think, oh, this is why I should write down the plot because I can't remember if this starts with art prepping or if we start with the newscast. It's, it happens at the same time. Ah, right. Okay, yeah, so the, the footage is overlaid with it, uh, okay. with each other. Oh, well, that's why I couldn't remember it properly. So what we do is uh, in this one, it starts with a newscast, um, which is sort of generally interesting because it pushes in on um, the person doing the interviewing, but we don't get to see who, they're re- who they are actually interviewing until a little bit later, but, but it doesn't it leave you much longer. And like you say, during this art, it's prepping and it's a bit um, Nightmare on Elm Street, focusing on all the things there and obviously uh, art tends to prepare his things in a bin bag which mm. which is fun i like i like his bin bag um I, i've got i'll be honest with you i, I was the same there mark um, the nod to nightmare on the street where freddy krueger was kind of prepping himself he's prepping his gloves it kind of did bring in that sense to me that like he was prepping his tools and yeah like mm. say put him into a bin bag but i got exactly the same vibe yeah uh, I'm I'm going to use this then to to drop some big picture criticism uh, okay. that I did want to save, but I've, I've been given a segue, so I'm going for it. Yeah, yeah. In that this film has what I could say is that it is a straight up and down slasher film, mm-hmm. and I think that's its biggest strength and it's its biggest problem at the same time because it is. You know, it, it's something that we've seen loads of times before, right down to the the preparation for the glove, spooky warehouses, boiler rooms, and the, there's nothing new in it. But that is also something good. People like those films, and and we can we settle in. We know what we're getting with them. Yeah, uh, short, sharp, no suspense. We know what we're getting. It's a slash yeah. movie. Yeah, I kind of wrote down the same Matt. To be fair, it was a. Um, the, the same old uh, kind of slasher movie. Um, yeah, but yeah, but like you say, it, that's the pro and con of the movie, so yeah. Yeah, it, it it feels like it's come 20 years too late. You know, it feels like if it was an 80s film that was exactly the same as this, it would have been considered something groundbreaking and innovative, but... Definitely, it, it but with a cliche is clear. Yeah, with, with the horror cliches going through and starting from that horror cliche, then great. Uh, and I don't want to jump right to the end, but I still feel for me, uh, the clown was an absolute fantastic character, and he carried the whole movie for me. Um, 
fantastic character. And like you say, and I have to totally agree with you. If this was in the 80s and we talked about up against someone like Freddy Krueger, um, this would have made a lot more, um, you know, box office, should we talk, talk about a bit more cult uh, status? Definitely, mm. definitely in the 80s, this would have been a great, absolute fantastic movie. Well, that that makes me want to circle back around to a point that I wanted to erase during this. And, you know, let's have the natural conversation. Now, like you say, this has come late in terms of what it is. It is a sort of um, very sort of 80s slasher, really. Um, and the question has been raised recently about whether Art the Clown is a horror icon or not. Um, because if you don't know, this isn't the first time Art, Art the Clown has been on on um screen. In fact, he was on screen three times before this movie. Um, in two short films called The Night Circle and Terrifier, and also um a sort of compilation movie called All Hallows Eve, which I actually think um encompasses those two short films anyway. So technically it's um but it's the the question is the the question in, about whether it's a horror icon is because like you say if this had been brought out in the 80s he he would be standing with the uh, with the big guys but because i'd say art the clown is only really known within the horror community it's whether he's iconic or not because someone who hasn't seen a horror movie will probably be able to tell you who jason was you know, because that's the sort of, you know, that's I guess what an icon is that that they they'd be in the sort of Mount Rushmore of um, <laughs> of horror. So it's an odd one because um, if if I go if I go if I take that point a little bit, now, Mark. So I knew very little about the movie, knew nothing about the synopsis. Uh, I knew it was just a gore. Um, I, honestly, I knew nothing. Uh, you, you recommended it, and it was always on my kind of to-do list. But I knew if you showed me Art the Clown, I knew it was from the Terrifier, even though I'd never seen the Terrifier, right. never seen a, I'd never seen a trailer for the Terrifier, never knew anything about the Terrifier, but I knew Art the Clown. And if I'm honest with you, if you'd have showed me a picture of Art the Clown, and I knew who it was, well, uh, not who it was, but what a film franchise was associated with, I wouldn't have had a clue that it was called Art the Clown. I just knew. So there's two ways of looking at that. Yeah. So yes, he would be a legend or a, a horror icon in that sense that a lot of people could associate or relate to that character with a, a particular movie, but not not so much that they knew his name. So I didn't know his name, and I'm obviously only going from my opinion. I didn't know his name, but I knew the franchise that he came from. Right. Uh, so he kind of had that status. See, I would say sort of similar to what what you just said there, Andy, is that he's got all the trappings to be our icon, except the movie reaching an audience. Yeah. You know, everything about him in the films, the look, the instant, instantly recognizable characteristics that he has is all, it's, you know, it's all there, yeah. uh, but he's just not, he's not got it getting an audience because the film's, just aren't getting a, a wide enough release. They're not crossing to mainstream appeal. And, you know, we're only on Terrifier 2, you know, <laughs> come Terrifier 5, that might have been fixed and, you know, he's a household name. But I think possibly the only t- t- thing I'd say as a 
you know, holding him back is potentially maybe they're they're a bit too violent to to reach that wide widespread appeal. That's why it's against the mainstream, isn't it? I mean, if we talk yeah. about we talk about the eighties, and if he was going to be up against the icons uh, and the cliches of the eighties horror, it's all there. The difference with this is the gore, that there's the pure no, and all the horror kills, and you know we no didn't see them, wind, did we? Is there? Yeah. There's, you know, there's no yeah. tongue in cheek like Freddy or, or Jason. There's just straight up and down nastiness, really, with the character. And, and I think we are, if we look at horror and especially horror mainstream characters, uh, they usually, are, you know, 99% have a, some kind of catchphrase or some kind of, uh, you know, uh, saying. Art the Clown, who is a mime artist who doesn't say anything in the whole film, it's quite hard to connect that, isn't it, really? Uh, I kind of like that. Myself. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I, I do. But from if we're talking about uh, icons and how you kind of escalate a character into the mainstream, it's pretty hard when there isn't a stupid, you know, catchy catchphrase or anything, or you know, uh, saying something really stupid. I mean, let's go back to the eighties anyway. With all those cheesy lines, like "I'll be back" and Annie and stuff. But if Freddie had his own cheesy lines, um, I say this, and you know, we're looking at. I'm talking about. Friday the Fame and Jason Halloween they don't say a word for the whole movie so I'm kind of I was just about to say I think he, he, Art the Clown tours this line between Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger for me and yeah. he's, he's physically quite expressive and you know does the whole mime stuff and the, the clowning around but carries himself silently you know like, like Michael Myers does and with, with a, a quiet threat yeah. yeah, that uh, that's what works really well for him. Basically, he uh, uh, goes from menacing to mm, well, menacing no. with a nasty smile. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like there are, there are bits in the movie, for example, moments where he specifically is walking that it's just it's just funny, and it, it's it. So the, the tricycle bit as well. Tricycle, yeah, definitely. It, that was in my mind straight away. As soon it, as you said that, Mark, yeah. So it has it has moments where it's like um, Art the Clown is. And let's try and get a little bit, uh, dig into the plot a little bit more. Um, and I'll say some of my thoughts on the plot for this one. But um, so, yeah, so obviously um, I, would, I, I don't think we talked about probably the opening scene so obviously there's this interview with uh someone who survived um an attack a year ago and the makeup from this is gross because uh, the girl's got basically no face um and then we move on to seeing her attack somebody attack the interviewer later on which you get in your gore straight away there's eye gouging and it gets in straight away. It gets in straight away. And then yeah, the thing that didn't sit with me on this, uh, well, th two things uh, really is that first of all, the talking about this thing that happened a year ago, I didn't quite get a footing on what this thing was. Cause I thought, you know, they, they mentioned it in uh, all Hallows Eve. So is that the, the thing they're talking about there? So that was a little bit confusing because you see him right. setting up at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, is he going to come back for this woman? Right, yeah. Uh, and the other thing I, th I thought, they, why why did they have to have a 
kill someone. <laughs> I just did, I didn't get that. I think um, to be to be fair to Damien Leone, he's got a, he's got an idea in his brain, and so there is there are parts in Terrifier too that not don't necessarily explain that, but it does it, it does seem like there's something going okay. on. Okay, so um, I think so he jacked, I'll he, allow them for seeds being planted. Yeah, well, what happened? Um, if I can, I don't know why I'm so defensive of him, but what I can say is that basically what happened with Terrifier two is because of COVID, it just, it just, they couldn't film it. Um, you know, it wasn't like one of these big productions where they could afford to yeah, have everyone separated and stuff like that. So I think, you know, well, I'm going to say this bit actually about Terrifier now, because I, if I don't say it now, I'll just keep thinking about it. Let's, the honest truth of Terrifier is there's very, very little plot. It's art killing people. There's not a lot to it. Apart from the fact that, you know, two women break down, he gets them into an abandoned warehouse, and then the sister shows up, and, um, you know, a few other people die around that. But the way it's done is good enough for me. Um, so, uh, what, let's see. Um, so, in most of Act One, basically, we get that. Um, we, cut to the year earlier um and we see two girls one of well they're both kind of drunk they go to a cafe which is where they first meet art and where we first meet art really and um as i say without really doing anything he's incredibly well terrifying for want of a better word um uh, yeah but i mean even in non-horror movie language if, if someone acts like that and just sits staring at someone dressed as a clown in a cafe that's i think that uh, that that's creepy behavior i think what i haven't said is it is actually supposed to be set on halloween so the fact that there is a man in a clown costume isn't initially yeah like, everyone's like, in you know outfits aren't they but uh then art well he does a he makes some pooey mess really um and I do quite like that one of the guys grumbling about the fact that he's having to clean up the poop. And that he's um, also the one that serves the food there. <laughs> so it handles the food there, even worse. Yeah. So that was um, that was good fun. But then, of course, Art uh, has killed one of them and kills the other guy. I can't remember how he, how he actually does the killing in that one. There's, there's lots of stabbing in the head. Yes. Right, yes, yeah. But he, he kind of makes a pumpkin head out of one of them, doesn't he? That the the kind That's of right, yeah. see as the owner. Uh, it's it's on it's on the actual counter with mm-hmm. candles in it. Yeah, it made like a bit of a, a jack jack o' lantern, really. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, sort of, a, I'd say the act two is where we get the these two girls. Um, they end up one of them goes to the toilet in sort of like a building that's about to, well, it is currently abandoned because it's, um, they're going to do a big rat bomb. I didn't know you could yeah. do, I didn't know you could do a rat bomb. Um, and then the other girl, the blonde girl gets sort of kidnapped by art. Um, and our, our girl who I'd say is what Tara, she seems like she's going to be the final girl, but she gets, yeah, caught, yeah. she gets caught up by uh, art as well. And he jabs her with 
don't know, something that puts her to sleep. And then we get to what I would say is the scene of the movie. This is this is the thing that everybody would talk about. Um, so Tara wakes up and her friend is opposite her, um, tied by her feet, um, naked. Upside down. Upside. Well, she wasn't totally naked at this point. She's not totally naked at this point. And, um, no, she, she's wearing undies for the sake of they need to show the wide shot. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they, they need to show the wide shot and still get the 18 certificate rather than an X. And then, yeah, and, right. and then you do see that moving, don't you, to kind of quickly whip those off. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, as soon yeah. as uh, it gets to the action, they, yeah, they're, they're straight off when they don't need to be shown anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So he, dick, he dicks about a bit, but um, ultimately he takes a hacksaw and saws her from oh, her the bright. vagina. From the, no. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I was watching this, I was thinking, I'm, I'm looking forward to when Mark kind of uh, introduces this scene. <laughs> so yeah, well done, Mark. Matthew, uh, no, said, Matthew Ma- you kind of come in there. Yeah, he said vagina. Yeah, he saved you. Yeah, yeah. It's a serious academic film criticism. We use proper terms, and oh, well, you're Excellent. you're a doctor, so it's okay to say the actual name. <laughs> um, I'm just. I was just thinking you were going to be excited to say the word booby. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I didn't. Um, so yeah, um, it cuts her basically right down the middle, um, right down to almost as far as her head. Yeah, so um, I need to know where he gets his saws from because <laughs> that make make DIY a breeze with that. Uh, I, honestly, and I was it was the first thing that came to my head, Matthew, and that took a while. It's a horror fan, you think on that, but I'm looking at his saw, especially right at the beginning when he's packing him into his, uh, you know, his bin bag, and you're thinking, well, I ain't going to do nothing. And no, then, it's blunt and rusty, isn't it? It's blunt and rusty. You, you can actually see the rust on it. Yeah. And it just cuts through air like a hot, you know, hot knife through butter. And you're thinking, what? Well, well, it's, anyway, not, it's not just yeah. his saws. He does it with the knives later. Yeah. Right? I need yeah. to find his blade guy. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, I nearly excused him, but maybe not. It would um, make for a crap film if it took ages. Yeah, true. <laughs> Three quarters of an hour just to uh, oh, just to get no. to that one scene. Imagine that. Um, what I do know is, is that apparently this was used as a torture in um, medieval times, because um, apparently, because all the blood went running straight to the sort of top of the body, um, and actually doing that, you don't hit that many major arteries. You could keep someone alive for quite a long time. Um, yeah, no, no, thank you. Yeah, but what I will say is, um, well, I, I, I'd listened to an interview with Damien Leon because I, I wanted to just get a bit more information for the podcast. But what he did say is he included that as something, but he said there's no way that someone wouldn't die of shock very, very, very quickly into doing that. He said there's no way that would actually happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's good, and she is alive for a lot longer than she needs to be. Um, and it, like I say, that is probably the, that's the scene that stands out in the movie. That's the one where everyone would go, Oh, fucking hell, did you see that bit? That's um, definitely the scene, yes. Yeah, the next kill though is something that took me more by surprise. Well, I've written that down because Art kills the next girl with a gun. It, yeah, I've, yeah, like when do you see a movie killer just pull out a gun and shoot someone in the head? Instead of dicking around and you know chasing them through creepy corridors, he just pops her straight away. It's 
bizarre to I see. Think, it's yeah, I, I think it's a great scene though. It's uh, kind it of is, like yeah. I've had enough of dicking around. Like he's been gone. Um, it's also quite funny that he had to go and reload, and <laughs> come back and finish the job with it. But yeah, and the good setup there is that because he has to go away to reload and come back, you're expecting her to be gone, but mm. she's she's not gone, and he just finishes the fucking job. Mm. Um, but it is, it does elevate art a little bit for me because it goes from oh, it's the same as any other slasher to. Hang on, this guy's just fucking killing people, and he—he's not bothered yeah, he's, what, what method he goes by. Yeah, because you obviously, if we go back to the saw scene, which is the, the scene, you see that as a torture kind of um, murder, and you would think that that's what he's—that's what way he's getting his kicks in a sense. But then he just shoots, he, he, gun out, gone, bang. Yeah, well, it, it kind of tells I you would... that he's going to be the guy who's going to do the the horror movie stuff. But if things start to Turn south. Yeah, he's not going to be worried about just ending it. Just and and therefore it's, it is just just the kills. It yeah. doesn't matter how those kills come. It's a kill. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's it, it's quite interesting. So act the act three that we get is um, the sister shows up at this point, and there's also I want to say there's a weird crazy lady with a baby, which. I feel like they almost just added in just to get an extra kill out of. Um, there are at least three characters like that in this film. <laughs> well, yeah, there are. There's two. Um, there's the extermination exterminator guys who also get murdered quite brutally as well. Yeah, the, um, the, ex, the exterminator guy uh, so who lets Tar into the building, he, he does a little bit, so we'll let him off. Mm-hmm. But the... Uh, yeah, the, the woman who's having who is having the mental issues is not not a, a great representation to say the least. But she, yeah, she is just there just to to die. Yes. Well, so obviously the sister shows up. She realizes that something's going on because she sees um, dead sword up girl, and um, then she does come across Art, and I think he's. Oh, I tell a lie. He thinks he comes across the woman, but actually she thinks she comes across the woman, but Art's actually lying there having scalped the sort of um, mentally ill lady. And he's also wearing her skin. Yeah, because if we, if we go back a little bit, so that crazy woman who's living in that building has... A strange kind of comforting moment with Art in the alleyway where she's cuddling him um, and offering that comfort, which kind of comes out of nowhere. And then obviously you skip the next scene; he's kind of wearing her. Um, I think he's just a dick, though. I think he, there, was, there was no part of it other than the fact that he's just a dick. <laughs> with and, and a crazy lady offering him some kind of well, yeah, well, she, yeah. she was she, she's been cuddling a, um, a doll, hasn't she? So for how long we don't know. So yeah, yeah. I because I, I, I uh, it is there, but I think he is just literally a dick. You know, I don't I don't think he was getting anything out of that other than making her feel. Well, I don't know. I don't know what was going on, but he's just a wanker. Just lulling her in. I thought. Yeah, yeah. So um, it just adds to sort of art that really because it just like what you don't know what you're going to get from him. He's 
he's a killer. He's luring people to do things. He's he's all over the place. Um, and then, of course, he sort of spent a bit of time prancing around with nothing on apart from um, the skin and the scalp. Stalin's sort of lambs-esque. The scalp hair, yeah. 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 Which was actually one of my um, freakier bits because... You see, you see a lot of this from the point of view through a keyhole of um, girl watching him, and it's not immediately clear whether he knows she's in there, or and but of course we do find out that he knows she's in there, and then like I say, it's one of the freaky bits. Me, it's actually one of the scarier bits that doesn't have any violence. I think something that is noticeable because I mean throughout the whole. The whole film. Uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the actor's name, but Art the Clown. It's his physicality is such that because yeah, he, he sells everything through through the physicality, whether he's playing with people, intimidating people, and in this bit, he's there's a completely different way of moving from him, where right. he's got that prance and exaggerated feminine movements that. He, he, he appears different in this again and it's like that's where that that unsettling stuff lies because he feels like a completely different character in this bit and, yeah. and he does because if you go back to the moment although it may be just he was lulling that woman into a false sense of kind of security so we've seen quite a few different emotions of him he's there just as a senseless killer with torture or with a gun, then he's kind of having what, what was best comfort with a, an older woman who is obviously mentally, un, mentally unstable to then flash to the next scene where he's literally prancing around naked, uh, wearing a hair and a skin. Uh, yeah, he's, and I can say very, very Silence of the Lamb-esque. You know, prancing say he's around he's like jumped from, you know, Michael Myers to Norman Bates to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Buffalo Bill just <laughs> within three scenes there, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. Good. And yeah. then I think it's not long after that, he's dicking about on a very small tricycle. Um, yeah. Just ro- very sore, yeah. Just riding yeah. around on a little tricycle. Um, I think it just comes back to what we were saying, you know, that there's nothing necessarily new about this. Uh, but I think... For art, especially as a character, they've done they've, they have just done a very good job of taking all these elements and and mashing them up together. You know, taking what works from each and finding something monstrous middle ground of it all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's see. What is there any other plot parts that really need to pick up on? Um, well, uh, let's see. Art's got this whip that he uses on um, the the sister, which it's, it's a whip made of many different cutting items, keys and yeah, scalpels, and it's it's. This not, is what we saw him get ready at the beginning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's it's not it's not a nice piece of equipment, but um, the original, the first, um, fumigator guy shows up and clunks him on the head, and then they do get the police involved, which is nice. Um, Unfortunately, one there's only one little bit of that lets this scene down, and I think it's just basically acting. Is that I think that the fumigator guy's acting's just bad enough that I thought he was going to do something horrible to her. Uh, like this feels a bit rapey. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but I, he's not. It's not as a character. That's not what's happening. And he does he does later on get his face booted in by Art. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Uh, I don't know if that was down to acting or I to think, be acted in or what. But uh, I did. I got the same sense. I think it was just bad acting. I think it mm. just. I don't think there was anything. And then, uh, uh, all those things I let off because you know, like a thirty-five thousand dollar budget. Um, you yeah. know, they're not hiring the best actors in the world. Yeah, true. Yeah, I think there's. Uh, yeah, well, I was going to save this till the end, but the, the whole thing is is quite badly acted and, and quite badly shot and directed. But like you said, I don't, I don't want to put any of that down to what's involved. I think that's purely, a, you know, a result of the budget. Yeah, totally like, agree. And I think it goes back to my initial comment that right at the beginning, art from the beginning to the middle to the end, he carries the whole movie as a, as a character, as an actor. Uh, the acting isn't great. I knew from, you know, the first few minutes uh, what I was kind of letting myself in for as a movie. But if we talk about the budget and what, what was achieved with that budget, I think it's nothing short of a success. And that is purely yeah. down to art. Yeah, well, David Howard Thornton is, uh, who was who is art, he... he He's a proper actor, though. He's like a, sta- a stage actor, you know, like he really knows what he's doing. So they got him on the cheap, innit? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, he was 30 grand. <laughs> the five grand was re- the rest of it. Yeah, I hope he had some sort of uh, back-end deal for it. So there is a sort of final chase chase scene um, where he eventually hits her with a car and then begins to eat her face, um, which is awful but one of the ones where you don't really see anything that's happening but you know we already know the results because we saw them earlier in the film um the police come in and art shoots himself in the head um after that yeah so there's no sequel and you all imagined it yeah (laughs) after that art ends up at the morgue and uh magically comes back round again as, yeah, every, so, as every good protagonist does in a horror movie. Yeah, it left me asking sort of what's his deal with this is... Well, what I will say about... I'll just talk very, very briefly about Terrifier 2 without telling anything, um, just while I'm here. So Terrifier 2 does lean into um, the more supernatural aspect. Um, so... If you've got questions about that, it just sort of lean into it a bit and, you know. Well, I kind of assumed that was the case by yeah. the end. Because uh, it, 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 it could only be that, couldn't it? Yeah, I think it's, it's a tricky one because when they show him at the beginning getting ready, it seems very much like a man getting ready to go out doing killing. So it is, it is a tricky one. But like I say, Terrifier 2 does lean into that. Um, with Terrifier... Sorry, Max. So, so again, though, as as a character, as a, as a clown, he is a performer. So there's a there's a mass of like illusion within that too. So from the death scene of him shooting himself, mm. there's an element where could that have been an illusion uh, because of who he is as a clown? Um, so I, I looked at it at that point too. Yeah, is it purely just he shot his brains out and then he's come back alive as, as normal protagonists do in a horror movie, or is mm. it an illusion? due to the fact that he is a clown. It's um, an interesting he, one, that. He, he is kind of duped everyone to thinking that he's dead. Um, mm. And he isn't. But Yeah, um, but there's a light show, isn't there, before that? Before he actually comes around, there's a whole light show. And, uh, yeah. 
and uh, the radio say something or that. Anyway, like I say, we're terrified too to lean into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you, you also see the hole in the back of his head when, <laughs> when he wakes up as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good illusion. The, um, <laughs> I don't want to say anything about Terrifier 2, aside from the fact that, and I said this to you, Matt, is it slightly too long in two hours, ten minutes? Um, it's just, there are bits in it where you go, eh, this, there was no reason for this bit, but they obviously filmed it, and um, you know, I think I think Damien, like I say, he's got an idea in his head, but there are bits of it where you definitely go, yeah, they didn't need all this. She's um, surprising at such a low budget. You think they'd they'd keep it like this? This film's what an hour and twenty. It's it's very tight. And... Yeah, eight eight minutes one time. I yeah. think. I don't know if I read this or heard him say this, but I think because of COVID, he was sort of, because he wasn't doing anything, I think he was piddling about with the script a bit and just ended up including more stuff because he was just like not yeah. doing anything with it. Um, so I think that might be, uh, but in saying that it run it runs long, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I, I wasn't like bored all the way through it. I just like, it, it could be, it could have been, it could have been, shorter but you know we'll hopefully well um i mean i'm happy to go into my actual review system review bit now if you like um can can i just can i just say so if see when when we talked about the beginning and who he was in who was being interviewed on the tv the link that I had with that was it, the, the beginning is the end, the end is the beginning. So obviously he was chewing on a, a woman's face at the end and she is the survivor who was being interviewed at the beginning. That was my understanding. Yeah, the girl at the beginning is the yeah. is the, is the is girl the at the end who's getting her face eaten. Which then again didn't, like Matthew said, um, I didn't understand. I, I couldn't put the correlation together why she then decided to just kill somebody. Uh, no, but I think, like I say, in Terrifier too, you well, you don't get a full explanation, but it does. It the, there is like, like I say, because the lean into, to it, yeah, because the lean into the supernatural a bit, it does sort of, right. it does sort of lend itself to finally explaining itself. Um, uh, actually, I just want to go onto Facebook because I think we did get one comment, which was Chloe said, definitely an unforgettable watch, which I'll agree with. Yeah, that's certainly uh, certainly one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So before, just before we do ours, actually, I will go through. I've got Rotten Tomatoes at fifty six percent, IMDb at five point six out of ten, which is almost the same, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, I got Letterboxd at two point seven, um, which is not the not the best for for us. I guess that's leaning on a ooh, it's spooky. It's nearly a three, isn't it? Um, but obviously, it's up to us to do our reviews. And I'm going to go straight in because I think, personally, I think this is a creative psychopath. psychopath. Um, the only thing that loses it for me is that, that as, as Matt said, obviously, you know, the acting's not great, or I said that, but obviously, you have to give it a, a bit of leeway because of the budget. Um, so I think, yeah. Uh, effects wise, great. Art the clown's brilliant. Um, I'm giving it a creative psychopath. Hey, do you want to go next, Andy? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, 
let, let's forget the, uh, the acting. Let's forget about the, the lack of plot. But as of what it is, of a horror, as a slasher horror movie, with, I believe, a great character in the horror um, who carried the movie all the way through. Not in a bad way. It, it, you know, you were fully uh, engrossed in the character, what he was going to do next, how he was going to do it next. Um, from a horror point of view, brilliant. It's it's definitely up there for me. If we're talking about actual scorings for myself, mine would be a seven seven 7.5 out of 10. It's definitely a creative psychopath. It's great for... Um, the horror genre, I think it's great. It's, it's, it's a really good film. And if, if I take anywhere, anything away from this podcast, I'll have to definitely watch Terrifier too because, Mark, you've sold it enough to me. So, yeah. yeah. The, the, it is violent, though, Terrifier 2. It is. Uh, everyone says it's more violent, but I'm not sure if I agree. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I don't know if I get a spoiler or not. <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of what you what you've both said I, I i pretty much agree but i i am a bit cooler on it i'm i'm gonna go down one and say it's a new that spooky because uh, it, it it's a one trick pony of a film isn't it and well one and a half tricks because if it's there isn't much to it at all like we said you know no plot no story no themes or anything you know to, to sink your teeth into and whenever it it needs to do something that's not been done a hundred times before it either like it either just goes to art doing something or some extravagant gore and that doesn't uh it doesn't tickle my fancy as much as uh, it does for you guys so yeah i'm going down the middle on it yeah, that's fair enough you know i I, uh, I wasn't expecting to give it a creative psychopath myself when i suggested it because when I first saw it, I knew I enjoyed it, but there was, you know, almost ba- basically what you said. You know, there's a lot to not like about it, but I think um, probably maybe it's having seen the sequel, I've I've enjoyed it a bit more. Um, maybe that's what it is. And yeah. Anyway, that's it. Um, I'd say two creative psychopaths and a new it's spooky. That's a that's a pretty damn good recommendation. So. Um, Right, so there you go. That was the filling uh, in the in the, the horror sandwich. Now we're going into the final slice of bread, and Andy is going to be answering these question. These last two questions. Uh, only a few people have been um, an elite group, isn't a, it? An elite group of people. Yeah, true. So the first one is going to be: What is your favorite score for a horror movie? And is it The Exorcist? <laughs> Uh, the Exorcist is brilliant. It's fantastic, isn't it? Tubular Bells. You can't really, you can't really get away from how great that is. Uh, Halloween, fantastic. Um, so we're talking about scores. Are we just talking about the soundtrack? Now, there's two ways of way thinking. It, it, it's your question, obviously. Uh, different score, uh, and from that, I look at it from the score. But I, I would like to look at it from a soundtrack. So I'm going to throw this right out the window and say I'm going to go down the soundtrack version. And I'm going to go The Lost Boys. Yeah? Yeah, I just don't think you're going to get a better soundtrack for horror. Um, we can argue if, if this is a comedy, horror, comedy horror or horror, but it's uh, one of my favourite and most uh, cult uh, films of all time. And one day we'll get to discuss it, Mark, uh, because you know my love for this film, but the soundtrack is just 80s all over, isn't it? It's fantastic. The Eagles, the everything, it's, yeah. 
Yeah, so, I'm, I'm happy to take soundtrack as an answer. Um, <laughs> but if, if yeah. you want score, um, it, it's Halloween. Yeah. Halloween, yeah. I'm happy to take soundtrack as an answer. That's basically, you know, what plays throughout the movie, isn't it? So um, I'm happy to have both. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. Maybe Maybe we could introduce soundtrack later on as well. Maybe you've just answered a new question, or you, you, you're the first. You're the first member of that group. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully you can talk to Matthew about Lost Boys and not me. Um, maybe it's good. Maybe maybe I need to watch it again. No, it, we, 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 let, let's talk about what similar to that Amityville Horror, uh, Mark. How how much I really love uh, Amityville Horror, and it's because of the nostalgia, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we get caught up with nostalgia. Um, and Lost Boys is very much that. If you watched Lost Boys in the 80s, the late 80s, early 90s, it's something that I grew up on. It's nostalgia, and that's what Lost Boys is purely is. So that's why I hold it with such high esteem in the horror category and within my personal um, you know, film critique and uh, knowledge and experience. So, yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, what I'm going to do is between now and the next time me and Matthew do our film rundown i'm gonna watch the lost boys again and um and say on there whether i thought it was all right or not i'm gonna do that well yeah. to be completely honest with you uh the other half been mentioned that she's been wanting to watch it as well recently so maybe maybe we just get together and do an episode of it in the near future i i'd love to do that i, I definitely look i definitely would um the Lost Boys holds quite a lot, lot to me from the, the, the young age of horror uh, into my younger adolescence, uh, which I can go about quite a lot. And then obviously with my current partner, Tracy, we, 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 we started um, our relationship watching movies and we soon realised that our common interest with uh, our favourite movies and one of which was The Lost Boys. So we have a you know, common interest in The Lost Boys, which is good. Um, so the Lost Boys holds quite a lot high regard for me, uh, and like I say, it's not the greatest movie. I can totally appreciate that, but when you get, when you get the nostalgia of it, uh, the cheesy scenes in there, the good kills in there, got some good acting in there from Kiva Sutherland, Cor- the, the two Corys. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, there you go, everybody. We're going to be all three of us are going to come back and do the Lost Boys. That's official sizzle for you. I don't know when we're going to do it, but it'll be between now and uh, another day. Um, it's pretty vague, isn't it? <laughs> so the last question is: What is the best remake? It, it's a it's a it's a question I haven't got an answer to, Matt. I really haven't. I'm struggling. Um, so if we're looking at a remake from an actual original to uh, a new remake, or are we looking at a part two? Um, what is what well, is the general question there, really? Well, we're talking about um, a, a horror film that's been remade, basically, like, you know, the new It. That would be, I'd say, something of a remake. Um, well, it's, a, it's a strange one, because I think when we look at part twos and when we talk, look at remakes, It, I thought, was fantastic. I think I touched upon it earlier on in the podcast where I'd like to see a horror franchise like Nightmare on Elm Street given the budget of it because obviously it came out, knocked out the park with the budget and the direction and the acting and the, the effects. 
I really, really, I'm one of those fans who really, really enjoyed the new It part one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, so say I mean, that then. I, 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 you, you give me, the, you give me the nod, Mark. You give me the nod. You, you know, you you build it to me, and I've knocked out the park. I'm gonna go It. Yeah, yeah. It no, uh, It. It has to be It. It's fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the acting in it. Oh, um, I'm glad I was able to set you up for that. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and you're right. It is it, as far as remakes go. It's it's fantastic. Well, I'm one of the people who who stands out or stand and say it's better than the original by a long way. Um, I know there's a hell of a lot of nostalgia, and Tim Curry is the goat. But um, as far as the movies go, the remake was much better and scarier. It was. There was a lot of good jumps in it. But again, if we talk about Tim Curry, I love the Easter eggs, the little nods towards Pennywise from Tim Curry's days. Brilliant. I love a good little Easter egg and a little good nod like that. Um, so, no, nah, I thought, was, yeah, yeah. I'd like, it's one of those movies where, you know, you've never watched it and you'd like to re-watch it again from fresh eyes again. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a movie that I can watch over and over again, but it was one of, certainly one of those movies that lives, me, lives with me that I enjoyed it. And Pennywise was really, really menacing. Um, and it was good effects. So, yeah. Good stuff. I can't help but notice behind you, you've got pictures of the Lost Boys, The Exorcist, and Nightmare on Elm Street. And I feel like That's you've my... been, I feel like you've and been... And Stand uh... By Me as well, I think. Got some non-horror. Oh, yeah. Okay. I feel like you've been usual suspecting us. You've just been reading the stuff off the wall and giving us answers. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I did see Pennywise up top over there when, when I said it. But no, it's uh, yeah. Well, it's my office, so it's my little man cave. So these are all my these are my movie nods. I've got Halloween, Goonies, Back to the Future, Rocky. What a film Rocky is! Stand by me, Lost Boys, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wish I had a podcast I could talk about Rocky on. Right. Well, uh, but you don't. Right. Okay. Well, there you go then. That's the horror sandwich. We've we've made it. But obviously, because it's our sandwich, I'm going to have to ruin your ham and cheese um, by hmm, I don't know cutting it with a rusty hacksaw. That probably wouldn't make it very nice. And I'll I'll put some blood in it as well. Why not? Uh, Always the blood in it. Yeah, chuck some blood. Oh, reliable. In. Chuck some blood in. I've got I've I've got very little imagination in terms of that. Um. So, everybody, follow the social medias. This is what we need you to do. Facebook. Um, go on there because I, I don't know why, but we're not getting engagement on the movies at the moment. Please go on there. Um, Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast, um, and all the other things. Instagram, I, I post on there, put stories on there, and I don't tweet so much. Um but yeah, those two main ones, please go along and follow them because, you know, we do this for you. So it's nice to know that people are listening. And I know people are, but uh, yeah, you know. And we also just passed 2,000 downloads, which is mental. Um, can't believe that we, we've got that far. So um, yeah, awesome. We'll be rolling along onto a year soon, January. What did I say? 19th. It'll be, we'll be doing this for a year. So it's been a hell of like a like the queen. We've got up, we've though. got two birthdays. Because so, you, you've got one, I've got one. So <laughs> yeah, you've got one, and and the, and the pod's got one, which is January nineteenth. Um, I've got two birthdays now, then. So I've got episode five, and I got this episode. So I, I can always have two birthdays going forward now too. Oh no! <laughs> Just throwing out there. What, yeah. 
what have we started? <laughs> so yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Um, we couldn't do it without you. So yeah, bye. Bye. Bye.